Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. Donald Trump's momentous victory in the U.S. presidential election has stunned America's allies, but also delighted populists and strongmen leaders around the world. Joining me to discuss the world response to Mr. Trump's stunning election win are Guy Chazan, the FT's Berlin correspondent, and Gideon Rackman, our chief international affairs commentator. Gideon, can I start with you? What's at stake for the world? don't want to sound too melodramatic, but I think basically the entire post-1945 world order constructed by America based around American leadership and around a couple of important principles. One was a commitment to open trade and an open world economy with America kind of at the core of it. And the other was security commitments underpinned by American power, NATO most obviously, but also the US-Japan Security Treaty and then since the Korean War, the presence of American troops on the Korean Peninsula. Trump has questioned all of those. He hasn't said explicitly that he would rip up the security treaties, but he said that he might walk away from them unless the allies pay more. And that in itself is very unsettling because these commitments are meant to be sacrosanct. You wouldn't say, well, we might defend you or we might not, because that undermines the whole deterrent principle. And then he is on trade, very radical, at least in theory. He is the first explicit protectionist I can think of to be president of the United States since you know before the 1930s. He's talked about renegotiating, whatever that means, the North American Free Trade Agreement, also of walking away from the World Trade Organization. And he has the power to do this. Say on the WTO, he could simply just refuse to accept WTO rulings. They'd take him to some tribunal. He could ignore that. And the whole system would begin to unravel. The immediate reaction today from world leaders essentially bore that out, didn't it? The election victory did leave his allies deeply troubled, but has also given a real fillip to those around the world seeking to sort of gain power or hold on to power or espousing the same kind of disruptive values as him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at some of the people who were tweeting congratulations, it was Marine Le Pen uh, of the National Front, uh, Victor Orban, for example, who's the big European strongman who espouses many of the ideas that Trump does, was also very fulsome in his praise of Trump's victory. Nigel Farage, Gerd Wilders, the usual suspects on the sort of populist right were all delighted. I mean, they really feel that the wind is in their sails. You know, Nigel Farage was talking about a double victory, Brexit first in June, and now this. And it feels like they're really gaining momentum now. I mean, in a way, so much more is at stake in the French elections next year, because if the current trend continues, we might see Marine Le Pen as president. You can also see America's allies very quickly coming to terms with the fact that they are going to have to deal with Donald Trump. And although he has been famously rude about certain people like Angela Merkel of Germany, she will deal with him in the same way that she's had to deal with. I mean, I'd be interested to hear Guy's view as a Berlin person. But I, I was very struck by Merkel's statement, though, because it was quite firm, actually. It said, I'm prepared to work with Mr. Trump on the basis of our shared values, which include commitments to human rights and so on. So she was making a pretty strong point, And I think she will now emerge as the leader of, if you like, the alternative liberal international. 
albeit one weakened by the refugee crisis and chastised by Mr Trump. I think the statement by Steinmeier, the foreign minister, was even more interesting, actually, because he said quite explicitly, this is not the result we in this country wanted. And he also said, this is going to change things for Germany. We're going to have to step up to the plate more than we have in the past. We're going to have to take on more of the responsibility for NATO and for the security architecture of Europe and the West than we have done in the past, which I thought was extraordinary. I mean, this was a man basically saying that the world order is changing and Germany will have to play a role in reshaping it. The world leader, of course, who's probably most delighted by this election will be President Vladimir Putin of Russia. Do you really expect a sort of serious reset in US-Russian relations or is it just a sort of renewed bonhomie? Could be. You know, one has to think that in some ways this could count as the most amazingly successful intelligence operation in history. I mean, the Russians intervened directly in the American elections by hacking into the emails of the Democratic National Committee, releasing them and influencing, helping to create this idea that Hillary Clinton was dishonest. It's an incredible coup for Putin that his man is now in the White House. And I don't think it's an exaggeration. He's very close to Trump, at least ideologically. I think he will hope initially that America will drop the sanctions that were imposed on Russia after the Ukrainian annexation of Crimea. And I think that's probably quite realistic. If the American sanctions go, the European sanctions will go. The next big question, though, is one has to delve into the inner recesses of Mr. Putin's mind. We know he's nostalgic for the Soviet Union. Does he see this as an opportunity to try to take back the Baltic states? And I think, you know, that sounds, again, melodramatic, but Trump has questioned NATO's commitment to the Baltic states. Putin may be inclined to test him. Yes, it must be rather uncomfortable in Estonia right now, which doesn't even have a government. You could imagine an opportunistic Russian leader wanting to exploit that situation. I think um, the, the Lithuanian foreign minister has already said to our Nordic correspondent that they're really scared of what will happen in this sort of interregnum before Trump's inauguration. Will this be the moment when Putin sees an opportunity to cause serious mischief in the Baltic states? And in a way, this is his chance. But if I were him, I would wait until afterwards. I mean, you know, Obama might react. I think Trump almost definitely wouldn't. Gideon, one thing we know about Trump is that he is infinitely flexible with the truth, with facts. Maybe he said whatever he needed to say to get elected. And once he's in office, he'll be constrained by the Republican Party establishment, by the Washington elite. And actually, he will pivot back to a much more sensible position on foreign policy. It's possible, but I don't think that's likely to be true. Firstly, because actually, if you look at Trump's pronouncements over 20 years, he does have some quite consistent ideas on foreign policy. They are isolationist, very suspicious of American allies, very admiring of authoritarian leaders. This is not something that's just emerged during the election campaign. The second thing is you have to look at his personality. This is a guy who's a massive egotist. And can you imagine how he'll be feeling now, having won the presidency? And also how unconstrained he will be. I mean, we talk about checks and balances. He will have the US military. He has the US nuclear forces under his control. Obama has been waging war almost every day of his presidency. We may not have noticed this. Without Congress doing anything to stop him, drone strikes, interventions, these are powers the president has and that Trump could use if he wanted to. Guy, what will the Europeans do? What's their next move, do you think, vis-a-vis the incoming president? Well, I mean, I think they'll offer an olive branch. They'll very much want to engage with him. I mean, Merkel and Steinmeier today and others, I think the French as well, was saying, you know, we need to engage. We want to speak to him. But I think that they'll also sort of be very aware of the fact that they need to get on with reforming the EU and actually getting their own house in order. 
there's a limit to what they can actually do to influence Mr. Trump's actions. But the EU is going to be their main agenda at the moment. And Gideon, the most critical relationship will still be with Beijing, uh, the extent to which Mr. Trump wants to provoke Xi Jinping. What's your hunch? Well, I mean, I think the Chinese will feel very ambivalent about Trump because on the one hand, he's threatened to impose enormous economic sanctions on China, which would be a huge blow to their economy. America's their largest export market. On the other hand, this lack of interest in defending allies actually could concede to the Chinese something that Obama and Hillary Clinton had been disputing, which is this hope of having a kind of Chinese sphere of influence in the South China Sea and the East China Sea. If the Americans say, well, look, you know, we're not going to really mind if you build military bases across the South China Sea, that's a huge gain for China and one that the Americans would really never be able to take back. I mean, they've been the dominant military power in the Pacific since 1945. That is why Obama and Hillary Clinton were so reluctant to concede this stuff. But it's possible that Trump will. But I mean, again, one has to say that Trump is highly difficult to read. He has these consistent principles, but he has a very irascible personality. So if he were to feel slighted or humiliated, who knows how he would respond? Okay, that's it for this week. My thanks to Gideon Rackman and Guy Chazan. World Weekly is produced by Hannah Murphy. Until next week, goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.